16 through 21. If you find your way there, the Bible says this in Galatians chapter number 2, verse number 19. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Let's ask for the Lord's help this morning, and uh, then we'll dive into the scriptures here today. Father, thank you for the time that you've given us to be able to open your word for a few moments here. I ask God that you would speak to us in a unique way. Lord, you know these, these verses that I've been looking forward to coming to them, yet, Lord, I'm so humbled, Lord, to preach them. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to say only that which you want me to say, and I pray, God, that your word would be clear this morning. I pray that if somebody's here that doesn't know you as Savior, God, that they get that settled. And Lord, for those that do know you as their Savior, I pray, God, that today would be an eye-opening service, passage, Lord, that would convict our hearts. God, thank you for what you're going to do. You all the glory, Lord, in everything that's done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I enjoy going hunting, and uh, that wasn't always the case. In fact, whenever uh, I first came out here from Montana, uh, excuse me, came out to Montana from Indiana, I was kind of terrified to hunt in uh, in Montana. Uh, growing up in Indiana, there's that can kill you. And, uh, you know, you go walking in the woods and uh, you watch out for poison ivy. That's the most dangerous thing uh, that you can find in the woods. But out here, um, everything can kill you. And uh, it's a whole different world. And, and so when I first came out, it was, uh, it was a little nerve-wracking to go hunting. But I've, I've enjoyed, over these past couple of years, last 13 years or so, learning how to hunt and, and going hunting out here in Montana. And over the last uh, 12, 13 years, I've, I've learned some things uh, about hunting and in particular that good equipment helps. It's nice to have, uh, have the, the right type of equipment that helps you to do the hunting and the things that you want to, to do. And, and a few things are more important than a good pair of binoculars. And uh, I, I'm not as fancy as, as, as some of you that are probably in this room who have your handheld telescopes that can smell the pine tar on the elk's horns from five miles away. But uh, I, I do have a pair of binoculars, and uh, I, I enjoy uh, using those. And I've spent a great deal of time standing on, uh, on the top of a mountain or sitting on the top of a mountain somewhere and, and looking off into the distance to see... Uh, the, the elk and, and the animals that are far, far away and, and, uh, and, and, and going through and, and looking through those binoculars. One thing that I've learned as you're sitting up there and doing that is you have to constantly adjust the focus. Um, you know, as you're looking through them, you're constantly moving in and out and adjusting so that you can see everything clearly. And, and uh, you know, as you look further away, you may have to, to twist things and move this and so you can bring things in to focus so that you can have a clear perspective of what is in front of you. Here in these verses in Galatians chapter number 2 that we just read, these verses, I guess you could say they served as Paul's binoculars for the Christian life. The things through which he, he looked through that, that, that really brought things into focus for him. Now these verses, I'll be honest, verse number 20 is, is one of the most 
uh, preached through or quoted verses and, and, and just about any service that you go to at some point or another, you won't have to be there for very long before somebody's going to mention Galatians 2 verse number 20 about having a crucified life. So I'll be honest, as I was coming to these verses, there was a level of, of, of intrepidation, fear that God help me to get it right. I, I want to be able to preach these words with the power that these verses clearly have in them. Because these verses were so important. They're so vital in the Christian life, and they were so vital in the life of the Apostle Paul. Everything that he would do, everything that he would write, would filter through the lens of these verses. It was the standard through which he would constantly refocus his attention to ensure that he was living the life God intended for him to live. And how did Paul define his life? Well, it's there in verse number 20 in those first five words, I am crucified with Christ. The crucified life. Friend, this morning, is your life out of focus? Sometimes the purpose and goal of our life can get a little blurry. On Thursday this week, I, I had to drive over to Bozeman Thursday morning. And of course, if you live around here, you know we got snow Wednesday night into Thursday morning. And I had to pull a trailer with me with some cows in the back. And as I was driving over there, uh, occasionally there was a, a professional NASCAR driver that went flying past me. And uh, maybe you've experienced that before where you're driving and I'm going a little bit slower because I had the trailer and things and all of a sudden, you know, they come flying by and, and uh, you know, they just completely cover your windshield. Now you can't see anything. And, and of course, the windshield wipers on my truck aren't, aren't as good as they should be. And so what do they do? Instead of cleaning the windshield, they just smear everything uh, on there. And now it's just blurry. You can't see clearly what's in front of you. You've probably been there before. The dirt and the grind that, that sticks to the windshield and makes makes everything become, become blurry. Well, sometimes in our life, our focus can become unclear. can get kind of blurry. Sometimes the dirt of the world clouds our vision so we can't see the road that God intended for us to be on. This morning, as we listen to the Apostle Paul, I hope that our eyes can be reset. That our vision can be refocused, can be clear. That we will surrender ourselves to the crucified life that God intends for every believer to live. And so this morning, let's dive into that thought. What it means to have the crucified life. First of all, we see this. You must die. You must die. There in Galatians chapter number 2, verses 19 and 20, he says it a couple of times, for the, I, through the law, am dead to the law. In verse number 20, I am crucified with Christ. What is he saying? He's saying, I am, I am dead. I have died. Not physically, but his flesh. He, he says, I'm, I'm crucified with Christ. Paul begins writing these words that, would have been so controversial to the religious Jewish sect that had come down that he was dealing with throughout this chapter when he said, I'm dead to the law. You'll remember, this was what these religious Jews, they based everything off of that. The law was their, their supreme authority above everything else. And when Jesus came in and said that he fulfilled the law, man, everything went up. And, and, and I mean, it was, it was a mess at that point in time because they didn't want to have to, uh, they, 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 they didn't want to have to deal with that. They wanted to just do the law. That was the main thing for them. That was their focus. That was their attention. And now Paul says, I'm dead to the law. 
No longer was Paul under the bondage of the legalistic religion that he had once been enslaved to. No longer did he strive to, for God's approval by trying to keep those 613 commandments that we find there in the Old Testament law. No longer was Paul living under the false reality that there were rules that he could do and that he could keep to obtain God's forgiveness. No, Paul was no longer under the law. Why? Well, because of verse 20. Because he was crucified with Christ. When Paul accepted Christ as his Savior in that moment, he was accepting that Christ had taken the full wrath and judgment of his inability to keep the law. You understand, the law was given to show that Paul was a sinner. was given to show that we are sinners. That was the purpose. And how it was impossible for us to keep it. And when Jesus died on that cross, He was taking the punishment for those that could not keep the law. Romans chapter number 3, verse number 20 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in His sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Those 613 commandments were put in place just to show just how sinful Paul was and how impossible it was for him to keep them. Even as a Pharisee of the Pharisees, he still fell short of the perfection that was required. And because he fell short, there was a righteous judgment that was due, and that judgment was death. And when Christ was crucified on that cross in Paul's place, he was taking all that wrath on himself. See, that was Paul's back that should have been torn by the cat of nine tails. That was Paul's cross that should have been laid on his back to carry up the hill. Those were Paul's nails that should have held him and fastened him to that cross. That was Paul's crown of thorns that should have been beaten down onto his head. That was Paul's mocking and ridicule that he should have had should have have endured. You see, it was it was Paul that should have been there, but Jesus hung on that cross and endured that suffering and that pain. And when he did, he was bearing the weight of Paul's sin on himself. Yes, yes, Paul's sin died on that day when Jesus Christ died on the cross. And when the law pointed to Paul's sin, Paul would point to the cross. Romans chapter 5, verse 20, he says, Moreover, the law entered that offenses might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound it. Now when Paul was tempted to glory in his achievements and his accomplishments, his mind would be pointed back to the cross. In Galatians 6, 14, he said, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. And now when Paul's old sinful lifestyle would try to tempt him, he would point to the cross. Romans chapter number 6, verse 6, knowing that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Yes, Paul recognized the wonderful truth. It was crucified. He was crucified with Christ. And friend, if you're going to have the right focus in your life, you have to die first. If you haven't accepted Christ's payment on the cross for your sin, you haven't been crucified with Christ. You need to receive the gift that Christ has offered to you as He gave His life for your sin. You see, that cat of nine tails, it should have been yours. 
That wooden cross, splintery cross that was laid across his back, it should have been yours to carry. That crown of thorns should have pierced your brow. That the, the nails should have been driven into your hands. The mocking that was endured should have been endured by you. That was your sin to carry. But the Bible tells us in Romans 5 8 the wonderful truth. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took it upon Himself. And if you are here today and haven't accepted that gift of eternal life that He offers, one question. Why not? Why not? Do you want to endure the suffering? Do you want to, to accept the pain? Do you want to accept that the, the, the punishment for your sins? Nobody here wants that. You have to be crazy to want to endure suffering for all of eternity as the payment for your sin. Nobody wants that. So the Bible tells us that Jesus gives us the answer for how we can have that forgiveness, how we can accept the payment for our sins. In Romans chapter number 10, verses 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Friend, you cannot have the promise of eternal life until you accept the payment of Christ's death. If you've never done that, you can do that this morning. I hope that you will. Don't put it off. Don't say, well, maybe next time. Do you understand that you have no guarantee, no promise that you are going to get to hear it a second time? No promise that you're going to have another opportunity. You know there's people all around this world that have never heard the name of Jesus mentioned. How prideful of us to think maybe next time. To think that we deserve another chance and another chance and another chance. It could be that you're sitting in this room this morning, and maybe you've heard it for years. You know it so well, you could say it yourself, but you've never accepted the gospel for yourself. Friend, don't put it off. Don't be so prideful to think, well, maybe next time. The Bible says it's appointed a man once to die. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You have no guarantee that you will live another day. Life is a vapor, James says. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. I heard a preacher ask one time, he was in a service. I remember sitting there as he said, how long does it take for somebody to die? So is there any nurses in this room? And, and uh, the nurse spoke up and said so many seconds and whatnot. And he said, well, he said, that's a good answer. But he said, what I was looking for was one heartbeat. Isn't that crazy? We don't even, like, you're, you've been sitting here this whole time. You haven't thought about breathing. I mean, if you have, maybe you have, I, I don't know. But I mean, the, but the majority of people, it just, it just, you just naturally do it. Now you're thinking about it. You're, oh, okay, yeah. You haven't been sitting here and thinking, all right, heart, it's time to beat. All right, heart, it's time to beat. All right, heart, it's time. Aren't you thankful you don't have to think about that and think about breathing? I mean, like as a man, we would die like that. I mean, women, you can do a lot of things at one time. Guys, we're toast, all right? I mean, like there's no chance. We get fo- so focused on one thing, we forget about the other. We, we, that'd be it. 
Yeah, amen, that's right. One heartbeat. And then you're in eternity. And then it's too late. Maybe later, maybe next time. No, 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 listen, friend. Don't take that chance. Get it settled right now, right here. Put your trust in Jesus Christ and what He did for you on the cross. Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that you paid for my sin. And I want to put my full faith and trust in what you did for me. Would you forgive me for my sins? Say, Kyle, is it those exact words? Absolutely not, friend. The thief on the cross next to Jesus said, remember me. But if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, thou shalt be saved. If you are here today and you have accepted Christ, are you living the crucified life? One of the cool things as you dive into this verse a little bit deeper, you find that the Greek verb for I am crucified, the perfect tense. I know that probably means absolutely nothing to you. But what it means is, is it did happen, and it's continuing to happen. I was crucified with Christ, and I am continually crucified with Christ. It's not just a one-time, okay, yeah, that happened, and, and then you know, I just go on about my life. No, he says, listen, I am crucified. It happened, and I am continually, each and every day, I am crucified with Christ. It's continual. That's why Paul says over in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, he says, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus the Lord. He says, I die daily. Every day I am crucified with Christ. Not for salvation, but for the life that I want to live for Him. That it's not in my flesh, it's not for myself, it's for God. It was a daily decision that Paul made because being crucified is uncomfortable and our natural response is to crawl, crawl off of the cross. Who was crucified, listen friend, they have no plans of their own. A person that was crucified, they couldn't look back. A person that was crucified wasn't in control of what they were going to do. They were in total submission to the cross that they were nailed to. And a Christian who was living the crucified life is in total submission to the cross that Christ was nailed to. Christ, you died for me. And I want to be crucified with you. God, I want to surrender my will, my life to you. See, if you are truly living the crucified life, you will die first. And that will lead you to the next part of this verse. That he must live. That he must live. Look there again in verses 19 and 20. For I through the law am dead unto the law, that I might live unto God. We have this dichotomy that he, he goes through. I am dead, but yet I, I live. Verse number 20. I'm crucified with Christ. Death. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul, Paul brings this up. He says, listen, I'm, I'm dead, and yet I live. Now, 
he wasn't saying that he was a mindless zombie, okay? That's not what he was, what he was saying here, okay? Now, I'm still traumatized to this day uh, from uh, whenever I was just a little child, sneaking out of my room at night and uh, walking into the living room and peeking around the wood stove and seeing my dad watch on the TV in black and white some old uh, movie with zombies on it. And I was absolutely terrified for the rest. I mean, to this day, it's, it's, I think I'm, I'm convinced that that's the reason I'm scared, still stared at the dark. You know, it's just, it's a terrifying thing, all right? And uh, that, that, that's not what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about some zombies. No, Paul knew the powerful truth of the Christian life. That while he was still living, his life was no longer his own. 1 Corinthians 6 tells us this in verses 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which ye have of God. Listen, ye are not your own. Why? Because you've been bought with a price. Therefore, because of that, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. They belong to Him. When Paul accepted Christ's payment for his sins, he was purchased by God. Now the Holy Spirit had taken up residence in his heart. He belonged to Christ. And that's why he said, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I'm sure that Paul wished when he got saved that God saved his flesh too. I know I do. I wish that we were talking about this morning in our, in our, in our Sunday school hour uh, time, small group time, talking about how nice it would be if whenever you got saved, if you just, you know, if, if all of you guys, if your flesh got saved and you no longer struggle with it, that, that he just got complete, a completely new body, a completely new mind that no longer sinned, was no longer under the curse of sin. Don't you wish whenever you got saved, you, you got your new body then? Yeah. The older you get, the more you wish that that happened. I mean, like that's... Uh, I, I, we have discovered that, for me, the left side of my body is just falling apart. I mean, it just is. I mean, like, I broke my elbow on the left side. I broke my knee on the, 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 the or uh, d- d- tore my meniscus on the left side. My finger on my, my left finger, started, you know, it's, it, it's, and my left hand starts hurt. I mean, like, all the, it's all the left side of my body. I wish I could just trade in that side of my body. You know, that would be great, you know, and, and, and get a new model. That would be great, you know. And I'm sure there's many in this room, you're like, man, my hips hurt, my back hurts, my, my this hurt, you know, the, the, everything hurts, everything aches, and I just wish I could just trade it in. You know, that would be nice if we got that. But the Bible tells us that's one day when we are glorified with Christ. No, when we get saved, our soul gets saved, but our flesh doesn't. Paul knew what it was like to have to live in the flesh, to deal with suffering when it came to physical ailments. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, he said this in verse number 7, And I, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, he says, the messenger of Satan buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. He said, For this thing I sought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And God says to him, My grace is sufficient for you. We, we don't know what this, this struggle that Paul was for sure. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. But we don't know exactly what it, what it was. I mean, it could have been some disease that he struggled with. Many believe that, that Paul had some type of eye problem. In fact, uh, as, as you read his, uh, the Word of God, there's, there's many times that other people were, were writing on his behalf. And even here in Galatians, he, at the end of it, he says, listen, you see a long of a letter that I have written with my own hand. What was he, he was saying, this is a big deal that I penned this myself. And, um, why? Because many believe he, he, he couldn't see very well. That he had eye problems. 
Uh, in fact, uh, the, with the, the, the medicines and stuff that they had, they had salves and, salves and things like that. And many believed that, that Paul would have to take that salve and he'd have to put it on his eyes. And so literally as he walked throughout his day and stuff like that, he'd have eye you know, juice you know, all over the place. I mean, it just wasn't a pretty sight. I mean, it would have been quite the, uh, the, the, the thorn in the flesh, I guess you could say. Quite the suffering that he had to go through. He knew what it was, that physical struggle. But I'm confident that Paul wished when he got saved that his flesh got saved too. That isn't how it works, unfortunately. Paul's soul had gotten saved, but he still lived in his old flesh, and his old flesh still had sinful desires, sinful wants. He said it this way over in Romans chapter number 7, verses 14 through 21. He says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, carnal, sold under sin. He says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would do, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If I do that which I would not, I consider the law that is good. Now, when it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. I want to do right, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now I do that, I would not. There's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. You say, Kyle, that was very confusing, all right? Let me put it in the, this is what Paul was saying. He said, listen, he says, here's, what, here's my struggle. I know what I should do. I know what's right. But I do wrong. He says, I don't want to do wrong, I want to do Right? But I find myself in my flesh wanting to do right but doing wrong and I don't know how to do it. (laughs) It's a struggle that I constantly struggle with. How many of you understand this? All right, I mean, I know I do. And I know what's right. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Walmart, yeah. So I know, I know. I know what I want. I know what's right. But I do what's wrong so many times. Why? Because my flesh didn't get saved. My soul is saved. But man, I still have to live in my flesh. So knowing that he still had that sinful flesh that desired to do evil, Paul made a conscious decision in Galatians 2.20 to live by the faith of the Son of God, to be crucified with Christ, and to allow Christ to live through Friend, if you're going to choose to live the crucified life, it's going to require an intentional pursuit of God. Because while your soul got saved, you still have to live in that old sinful flesh. 1 John 2.16 tells us this, For all that is in the world, and he says this, The lust of the flesh, the very first thing. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's not of the, the Father, but it's of the world. So you have to choose to live to be under the control of the Spirit. This morning in our men's Sunday school, we talked about this. It was all about walking in the Spirit. And we talked about how, listen, to walk in the Spirit is not something that just happens. And I I wish that I just woke up in the morning and I was bubbly and excited and just just automatically just walking in the Spirit. But most mornings when I wake up, I'm like, I don't want to get out of bed. (laughs) 
I don't want to go to work. I don't, I don't want to, to, to take care of my kids. I don't want to do these. I mean, these little kids, they're, they're in our room and feed me, feed me, feed me. It's like, please go back to bed. You know, and, and, and I mean, we don't, well, why? Because our flesh wants that. It's not natural to walk in the Spirit. We have to intentionally choose to. Romans chapter number 12, Paul says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Crucified. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Listen, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You have to allow yourself to be transformed into the image of Christ day by day by day by day. Romans eight twenty nine says this, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. What was He saying there? He said this, those that are, that are Christians, those that follow Christ, He says, I have a predestined plan that they should live. He said, you want to know what the predestined plan is that they should live? He said, they should predestine. This is what they should do. This is what they're supposed to do. I've already settled what the plan is supposed to be. What is it? To be conformed into the image of Christ. But so many choose their flesh and try to fulfill themselves in the temptations of the world. So Paul would go on to write in the book of Galatians, in Galatians 5, 16 and 17, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. See, the flesh is contrary. The flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These things are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. If you're going to live the crucified life, it's going to require you to put some of your fleshly desires behind intentionally and make Christ and being conformed into His image your primary focus. That's why Paul said over in Philippians chapter number 3, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I love that. The Apostle Paul was saying, listen, he said, I want to tell something to you. I haven't arrived he said, I, I, I haven't nailed this down. I'm not perfect at this yet, guys. I've not apprehended. But this one thing I do, he says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press towards the mark of the prize of the whole high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There was one goal placed before him that he strived for each and every day. And that should be our goal as well. God, I want to become more like you. The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Christ knew best what it was to, what the crucified life looked like. Before he went to the cross, he shared these words with his disciples in Matthew chapter number 16 and verse 24. Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. Follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. What is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? See, Jesus said there, he said, listen, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross crucified and follow him. Friend, I, I could, if I could simplify things for us this morning, a crucified life for Christ is truly 
a surrendered life to Christ. That's really what it is. Maybe you're here today and you've been fighting for your way, for your plans, for your will. Today would be a great day to wave the white flag before God and let Him have total control of your life. You want the crucified life where you're truly going to live a life that's going to please God? You have to die. He must live. Why? Well, because of what He did. This is key. This is the motive to everything. And this was the motive for Paul's life. The end of verse 20 and the end of verse 21 give us a clear answer as to what just what Paul was determined and why he was determined to live the crucified life. Look there at the end of verse number 20. He says this, who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't frustrate the grace of God. Why? Because if righteousness came by the law, then Christ's death would have been in vain. Christ loved him and died for him. And that was the motivation of Paul's life for Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, the Bible says, The love of Christ constraineth us, he says. We thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Paul's saying that his life, he was held captive by the love of God. The love that Christ demonstrated for him, he just couldn't get over it. You know, I think one of the great dangers of the Christian life is that we just get so used to it. You ever think about that? We hear the messages every week. We have the Bible freely accessible to us at any time. Our life for Christ costs us no sacrifice. And we hear that we should be living a crucified life, and well, we're not really interested in that. Let's just be honest. Because this morning, most of us believe it's our life. We may say that we belong to Christ, but in truth, we're the ones that are in control. You want to know how to practically determine if your life is controlled by you or by Christ? Do you make decisions based on your comfort and convenience or that which furthers the gospel? Do I make decisions in my life based on what I want to do, what I'm comfortable with, what's convenient to me? Or do I make decisions based on what pleases God and what furthers His gospel? Let's just be honest. I mean, most of us woke up and went to church this morning because that's just what we're supposed to do. Why? Because it makes us feel good if I go to church. If I, if I do the things that I know that I'm supposed to do, it makes me feel good. And our whole life can be captivated by that. It's all about us. Paul understood the Christian life for Christ required sacrifice. At the end of the book in Galatians, Paul write, wrote, wrote these words in Galatians six seventeen. He says, from henceforth, let... No man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Many believed that the marks that he was talking about were literal physical marks from persecution that he'd went through. What did Paul go through? I mean, like, what was the crucified life? What did it look like for Paul? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Let me share, okay? Second Corinthians chapter number 11, Paul gives us a little glimpse. He says this in verse 23, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I more. 
and labors more abundant, and stripes above measure, and prisons more frequent, and deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes, saved one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A, pa- a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathens, in perils in the cities, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hungering and thirst and fastings often and cold and nakedness beside those things that are without that which comes upon me daily the care of all the churches you know what Paul was saying he's saying I know what it is to sacrifice for Christ I know what the crucified life is and the crucified life isn't always comfortable in fact for Paul most of the time it was pretty uncomfortable And here we are, we live in 21st century Christianity. In America, of all places. And we have no idea what it means to sacrifice for Christ. We don't know what it... I mean, what Paul said there, most of us, we we look at that and we're like, man, that sounds bad, but I have no clue what he's talking about, myself included. Because we've never had to have our life put on the line. I mean, maybe, maybe there is somebody in here. I'd love to hear your story if there is. But for the majority of people in Whitehall, Montana, Sheridan, Montana, Butte, Montana, the, the areas around here, uh, listen, for most of the people here, uh, you, you haven't had to put your life on the line to stand for Christ and this gospel. Most of us, we just, you know, we just woke up and jumped in our heated car this morning and drove on fairly clear roads to come to church and sit in a heated church with lights and, and an audio system. And, and we even put the words on the screen for it. I mean, like, it's pretty easy. And so when we hear that we're supposed to be crucified with Christ, and sometimes that should make us uncomfortable, I'm not really interested in that. Friend, when Christ died on the cross, He paid for something. He paid for your sins. He bought your soul. And He deserves your surrender. He deserves the crucified life. When Paul reached the end of his life, his record that he recorded for us over in 2 Timothy is powerful. They're the words of a man who intentionally lived the crucified life. He said this over in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 6. He says, I am now ready to be offered up. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, and not to me only, but to all them, those that love His appearing. Friend, when we reach the end of your life, you were to take out a pen and a piece of paper and, and write your own final words, wonder what you would write. Made a lot of money. Probably not most of us, you know. Had some influence. I was a good husband. I was a good parent. Listen, there's nothing wrong with those. Those are actually very good things. Can I tell you one day when I'm on my deathbed, I hope there's one thing above all else that I could write with a pure heart. I fought a good fight. 
finished my course. I kept the faith. And there's only one way I can be sure that that is true. By living the crucified life. Friend, do you need to refocus this morning? might be time to take out the spiritual binoculars and examine our life to determine if it really is the crucified one. Or maybe even better, we could pray like the psalmist and ask him to take out the binos and do it for us. And say something like he did in the Psalm 120, 139, verse 23. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I want you to search me, to tell me if I'm pursuing my own way or am I seeking to live the crucified life. And then choose to deny yourself, to take up that cross and to follow Christ. Friend, there's no telling what God could do here in Whitehall if some believers would finally say, you know what, I'm not going to live just for my comfort for my convenience. No, God, I'm going to live the crucified life that you're worthy of me living. It takes sacrifice. It's not always easy. But one day when you stand before God and you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, man, you'll know it was worth it. And I hope we'll decide to do that this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to be able to open your word for a few moments, to be able to allow you to speak to us. And God, as we've dove here into Galatians chapter number two, and and God, as you have spoken this morning, I pray that your word would be so clear in each and every heart. And Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their savior, I pray they get it settled right now. And God, for those that are saved, I pray, Lord, they'd examine their lives, allow you to examine their lives and determine... Are they living the crucified life for you? With heads bowed and with eyes closed, we're going to have a time here at the end of the service where you can respond to the Lord in your own heart, and I'd encourage you to do that. In just a few moments, the music's going to play, and I'd encourage you to respond to the Lord as the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart this morning. And answer that question, are you living the crucified life? And if not, if not, maybe this morning you need to say, God, help me to live that. Because that's a life that truly pleases God. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, let's stand together as the music plays. Friend, you respond. Maybe you need to make your seat an altar. Maybe you want to come to the altar here in the front, but I'd encourage you to spend some time with the Lord this morning. Are you living the crucified life? Can you truly say that? Or are you just living with convenience? It's comfortable. It's easy. Nobody wants to live with struggle, and I'm not whenever you do that, that your life is full of struggle. In fact, the life of a Christian oftentimes is a blessed life whenever you live the crucified life. Blessed beyond anything that you could imagine. If we could bring the Apostle Paul in this morning and ask him, Paul, was it worth it? Oh, you know what he would say. Oh, yeah, it was worth it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. crucified life friend I'd encourage you to seek the Lord about it 
and ask him to help you live it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the truths that we've seen this morning. Thank you, God, for how you've spoken to hearts. And I ask, Lord, that your word would continue to minister to each person that's here this morning, that they continue to allow you to, to speak to them. And God, even as we leave the, the church today, that, that your Holy Spirit would continue to convict, and God, we continue to respond to you as we go throughout our day. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for the power that's in it. Help us, God, to determine to live that crucified life for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. We've got a special treat this morning. Uh, as many of you know, we uh, have uh, been looking forward